0: Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. There's an article entitled COVID-19, an unprecedented era of loss of control and uncertainty. The statement was made, widely shared feelings of loss of control and uncertainty are causing enormous anxiety and despair in the nation. Another article was titled, Anxiety and the Need to Be in Control. The statement was made with this article, the feeling of losing control provokes anxiety. We can't control our circumstances, but we can control our response. I don't believe anybody would argue that this last year, 2020 and into 2021 has been very stressful. And people have felt out of control rather it's the pandemic the rioting in the streets the storms the presidential election the fires out west it just goes on and on and on and so people today feel like they've lost control people have been unable to go to work in many cases people have lost jobs there have been cutbacks and so people feel out of control and with that can come anxiety we all know that here friday week ago I got up and Holy Spirit, I believe, dropped in, my, dropped in my heart this word for today. That people are struggling. That people are wanting to control their circumstances. And because of that, they're experiencing great anxiety because things seem out of control. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, you'll see it on the screen. Paul said, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, he said, pray. Now, I want you to notice in there, the first thing there I want you to see is he said, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. And the second thing he says, you need to to let God know your concerns, okay? So those two things there I want you to see, leave that scripture up, guys, if you would. Number one, you need to reshape your worries into prayer, transforming your anxiety into peace. Because when you take your worries and you reshape them into a prayer and a petition, you let go of your anxiety and then you experience the peace of God. The second thing there you need to know is that you've got to learn to defer your concerns to a higher power. You've got to defer it to him. Accepting what you cannot control. We're in the middle of hurricane season. I can't control that. So I've got to defer that to a higher power. And I've got to know that he's in control, and he's got this. So two points I want you to see there. Take and reshape your worries into a prayer, thus letting go of your anxiety, and then defer your concerns to a higher power, accepting that you can't control everything. You've got to do that. So here's a statement for you. When we let go of the need to control, anxiety will let go of us. When we let go of the need to control, then anxiety will let go of us. Now, some of us in this room and watching online, we struggle with this more than others. Type A personalities, people that are perfectionist, people that need to control their environment and their circumstances. They struggle with this more than anyone else. That's why many times people that are type A personality, they're driven to success. They can be OCD in certain areas in their life. That's why they they can only take so much of the news and then they have to cut it off because it can become overwhelming. People that care a lot, people that have a tendency to pick up things, especially people that are in intercession. Okay, intercessors can do this. They have a real temptation to internalize things. They can watch the news and that intercession in them wants to reach out and take that and internalize it. And they have to be careful with that. They have to be real careful or life can become unbearable. And so there are different personalities that are more prone to this, but we all, we all, we all can come to a place where we try to control things. And with that comes great anxiety. But when we let go of the need to control, anxiety will let go of us. Let's title this, Losing Control. Father, bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let me talk to you for just a minute about controlling the uncontrollable. Matthew chapter six, verse 27. Jesus said, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? That's a profound question. He's saying all of you, type A personalities that are just anxious. Tell me how you're gonna add one hour, one hour to your day. How are you gonna change that which is uncontrollable? How are you gonna control the uncontrollable? How can you do it? You're anxious for no reason. We get anxious over things. That's why Jesus said, take no fault for your life because your father already knows what you have need of. And so we have to be real careful that we don't take on more than we should. So let's look at what happens whenever we start trying to control the uncontrollable and how that we feed the monster of anxiety. So how do we deal with this? Well, number one, never allow your sense of duty to migrate to a state of responsibility. Never allow your sense of duty to migrate to a state of responsibility. Know this, and here's a revelation, that will help you type A personalities. Those of you that are given to intercession. Those of you that like to fix things. You're a fixer. Know this, not every need is your responsibility. Now that's a tough one, especially for pastors that really do care. Pastors, people in the ministry that wanna help people. Okay, for years I've battled this. I can get a phone call, I can get an email, I can, I can hear problems and immediately my mind, it goes to the default setting of how am I going to fix this? Listen, I can watch the news and I know some of you understand this. I know you do. I can watch the news and rather it's a storm on the East coast, fires on the West coast, rioting in Portland, uh, rioting in Washington, DC, uh, the pandemic, uh, whatever it is, I can watch it and I catch myself thinking, well, I could fly there and I could help them people. I could just load up and go. You know, it's just my nature that I want to help fix whatever's broken. And as a pastor, as a leader, you have to be real careful with that. You have to realize that not every need is my responsibility. I've come to understand as I've gotten somewhat older and more wiser, I hope, is that there have been certain times that I've had to say, no, I can't do that. I'm going to have to let somebody else carry that one. I know this last year in 2020, as they were talking about the storms, what, 30 named storms? We had just, you know, we'd done Ike, we did Harvey, we did Emelda, we did over $4 million with Harvey and Emelda through South, uh, United Aid for Southeast Texas. And when we came into last year and they started popping these storms off, I just made the statement, I can't do it. I, I can't this time. I just can't do it. I'm not gonna be able to do it. I decided last year that I was gonna have to take a break that I could not do that to myself, my staff, and my volunteers. I just didn't know how I was gonna raise the money. I didn't know how I was gonna get the volunteers because there there is storm fatigue in this nation right now. It's hard to get money right now for storms. And I just had to take a break. Not every need is your responsibility. You need to know that your ability to respond to a situation doesn't make you the answer to the problem. Listen. Listen. Think about responsibility. Think of the word. It's responsibility. There are certain things just I, I can do. I, I can do that, Lord. I can fix that right there. I can do that. But you have to realize that just because you have the ability to respond, just because you have that 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 uh, that ability, it doesn't mean you're the answer to the problem. You listen. You gotta be real careful with that Messiah complex. I am not the answer to every situation, to every problem. I am not everybody's answer. And that's one of the, that's one of the greatest revelations you can have as a pastor, is that not everybody that comes through, through these doors are gonna like me. They're not gonna like my style of ministry is what I'm saying. They're not gonna like my, the word that I'm putting out. They're not gonna like our style of worship. They're not gonna like the way we do church. And that's okay. You've gotta to come to a place where you recognize that not everybody is gonna like you, and that's okay. That's all right. That's why bluebell ice cream has got a myriad of flavors. You can just get whatever you want because everybody's got a different palate. And so, you, but you have to, re, you have to remember that, that your ability to respond to a situation doesn't mean that you're the answer. Sometimes I think we get in God's way by inserting ourselves into people's problems. God may have someone else that he's wanting to bring into that person's life to help them that has a different skill set than you do, and you're just getting in the way. You have to get out of the way and let God be God. Psalms chapter 121, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. I want you to notice that. He watches over you, and there's a shade daytime, nighttime. So here we go. Listen, remaining in the shade of his gaze protects you from the daylight pressure and the moonlight worry, because that's what it is. Daylight pressure of trying to make things happen, and moonlight pressure laying there in that bed, and that moonlight hitting you in the face, and just... just going over in your mind, you're taking that recorder in your mind and you're pressing play and you play it to the end and you stop it and you rewind it and you play it again. I should have done this. I should have said this. I should have done that. I can do this. I can fix it like this. Why did I do that? That was a mistake. You play that thing over and over and over. In my bedroom, uh, I I, I sleep on the right side of the bed next to the wall, the windows at the top. And many times I can look out those windows and I can see the full moon sitting and shining in my face. And on that moonlight pressure, I'm laying there and I'm playing over my mind. What can I do to fix this in the church? What can I do to fix this in the city? What can I do to speak to the nation? How can I help make things better? I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. I should have said it this way. I should have said it that way. I could have done better with this. I could have done better with that. And you take that recorder and you play that thing over and over and over in your mind. And what you really need to do is just sit back in the shade of his gaze And know that he's watching over you. And he's looking over you. He says the Lord watches over you. And as long as you remain in his shade, you're going to be all right. 1 Peter chapter 5. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The way you address your anxiety is by letting go of the uncontrollable. I can't control certain things. I can't control certain people. I can't do it. I can't control anybody, certain people. I just can't control anybody. I cannot control anybody. I can't do it. I like to think I can, but I can't do it. And so you let go of your anxiety when we let go of the uncontrollable. I can't control hurricane season. I can't control the stock market. I can't control what people do. I can't control it. And so when I let go of that, my anxiety begins to decline. It begins to go way down. We've got to to learn to let go of trying to control the uncontrollable because we're killing ourselves by doing that. So here's a statement for you. And we're never going to get through this today. So this may be a part two, but here's a statement for you. Refuse to hold on to what you should let go of. Refuse to hold on to what you should let go of. I cannot control people's behavior. I can only control how I respond to it. That's all I can do. I can't do anything else. So you need to learn to let go of what you should let go of. You've got to to learn. You've got to to refuse to hold on to, excuse me, uh, to what you should be letting go of. You're holding on to stuff that you should be letting go. Let it go. Number two, we're talking about controlling the uncontrollable. Number two, never forget that everything is father-filtered. Now we've said that to you before, but never forget that everything is Father filtered. You need to know this: God is never caught off guard. You may be surprised, but He's not. He's not. Now let me tell you what. Let me tell you what I believe. This is my belief. God is um, God is omniscient. He knows. He's all knowing. Okay. He's all knowing. He's all knowing. But, like with Abraham, when Abraham went to offer up Isaac, God stopped him and said, Abraham, stop. Don't touch the boy because now I know that you love me. He may be all knowing, but I think God watches to see how you're going to react or respond to situations because he respects your free will to choose. I believe God is all knowing, but I think God watches to see how you're going to react. He'll put it before you. He said to Israel, I put before you life and death, choose life. And then he steps back and he watches to see what they're going to do. He's all knowing, but I think God doesn't know your response until you you do it. Now, we can argue the theology on that, and I don't care to. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. He said to Abraham, now I know your reaction. Now I know your response to me. And so he said, I'm going to bless you, son. And so know this, that... God is watching you to see how you're going to react to situations. He may know what's coming, but he wants to see how you're going to react. He's never caught off guard by the circumstances. He knows what's coming your way. It's father filtered. Everything is father filtered. He knows what's coming to Job, but he sits back to watch how Job's going to handle it. Everything is fathered filter. God is not caught off guard or surprised. You didn't know that like the refining of silver, the father will filter out the good in every situation. He'll filter it out. He'll take and let the, let the corruption and that furnace of affliction It'll cause that corruption to rise to the top of that silver and he'll take it and he'll rake it off. He'll pull out the silver. He'll pull out the purity. He'll pull out the good things in your life and your situation. In a situation, God will work the good to your favor if you'll let him. He'll do it every time. He'll do it. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I said this to you here several weeks ago. God says, I know the plans I have for you. So God has information and a plan that you're not aware of. That's why when things happen in your life and you get all frazzled, when things happen in your life and and, and I get all upset, we just need to relax and and know that everything is father filtered. It filters through him. It filters through him. He he wasn't surprised. He wasn't caught off guard. He knew it was coming. He's going to sit back and watch how I'm going to react to it. He's watching me, okay? He sets it before me and he'll allow things to happen. He wants to see how I'm going to react to it. And you've got to know that God's got a plan, that God has information that you don't have. He knows. Joseph, just hold on. He knows where he's trying to take you. Joseph, hang tough. He knows where he's trying to take you. Go ahead and just submit to the process that will lead you to the palace. You've got to realize that it's father-filtered. Those brothers turned on you. You were sold into slavery. Slavery. You were falsely accused. You were thrown into prison. And God is taking you somewhere. And just in a moment, just in 24 hours, in a moment, he went from the prison to the palace. God's got a process. God's got a plan. God's got information that you don't have. Now, just think about that. Joseph is in the bottom of the pit. His brothers had turned on him. They threw him in a pit, and he's sitting there grumbling, murmuring, and said, Oh, where's God at? Where's where's the God of these dreams that I had? Where's the God that gave me this vision for my life and my destiny? And here I am in a pit. Joseph, just hold on, because there's a process. God's going to take you through it, but it's going to take you to the palace, Joseph had no way of knowing about he's going to Egypt. He had no way of knowing about that drought. He had no way of knowing about that famine. He had no way of knowing about that dream. He had no way of knowing about the strategy and the plan to store up that grain to get ready for that famine. He had no way. He had no way of knowing. Know this. That when you're going through the process, God's got a plan. He's got information that you don't have. So, know this, the father's filter. One, problems by permission. Now, when problems come, I'm not saying God caused it, but God permits it. God may not cause a pandemic, but he'll permit it. Because he'll work the good in it if we'll let him. Problems by permission. Number two, there's a load limit. He said, I'll never put more on you than you can bear. And number three, he'll work the angle. He'll work the angle. He'll pull the good out of that for your life if you'll let him. Listen, there's a revelation that will transform your life if you'll grab this. And every problem, and every problem, there's a process that will lead you to the palace. And every problem, if you'll let God work the angle, he didn't say all things are good in Romans 8. But he said, I will work all things good for you if you'll let me, let me. You, you get that? We have to, we got to control freaks. You're going to have to let it go, baby. You're going to have to let God do what God wants to do. But he said, I'm not saying all things good, but he says, I'm telling you, I will work the angle of the good in it if you will let me. You know, if you, if you grab a hold of that, there's no way you can ever lose. There is no way. If every problem in my life, there's a good angle to it, there's no way I can, I'm a winner every time. I'm a winner every time. Job, tornadoes reach down and lick up his kids, destroy his homes, destroy his cattle. He breaks out and, and boils and sores. His wife says, why don't you curse God and leave and, and, and die? He's sitting on an ash heap. He's scraping his boils with broken pottery and he's just sitting there. And, but how could he ever believe that there's any good that can come out of that? But he came to the place where he submitted to the process. He's thinking everything is father-filtered because when he started to rail against God, God says, let me ask you something. Where were you when I took my finger and traced the rivers? Where were you when I formed the mountains? I flung the stars that were my hands. Where were you at? You got all the information that I've got. I've got a plan for your life that you don't know about, boy. And so Job finally came to the place where he said, though God slay me, there's no way I can lose. Even if I go to death, I'm a winner. And when God says, now you're there, you're there. You're ready for what I want to give you because I'll never put more on you than you can bear, which not only means problems, but prosperity. So now I'm going to bless you with double. I'm going to bless you with double what you had, son, because you can bear the load now. You can carry the responsibility of of what I'm going to give you. Listen, when we come to the place where we submit to the process, when we come to that place where we can do it without murmuring and complaining, God says, okay, you're ready for where I want to take you now. He'll work the good in every situation if we'll just allow him. So here we go. Instead of cursing your circumstances, learn to interpret the situation in light of God's providence. Instead of cursing your situation, Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Instead of cursing his circumstances, he began to interpret his situation in light of the providence of God. God's in control. God's got a plan. God's got some strategy going on here. God's got some information that I don't have. It's gonna be all right because God's got this. I'm gonna be all right. God's gonna work the angle. God's going to find the angle on this thing and he's going to work it. He's going to take that thing and spin it around. It looks bad right now. It looks bad, Job. But God's going to say, now watch this. I'm going to spin this thing around and look where I'm going to take you. Listen, he'll work the angle. So you've got to learn instead of cursing, instead of cursing your circumstances, you need to learn to look at your situation within light of God's providence. God's providence. God is in control and God is working things to your good. Number three, we're still talking about controlling the uncontrollable. Number three, never give in to complaining and murmuring and always remain grateful. Now, that's one of those statements where it, it preaches easier than fleshing it out. So I just wanna put that little you know, disclaimer in there. I'm not telling you I always do this. I'm telling you that I'm a work. I'm a, I'm, what is it? I'm. Yeah. So there's four or five different things being said, but you get it. Yeah. I'm a work of art in process here. I, I'm, I'm, God's working on me, but never give into it. Philippians two. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may shine. Notice that. Ah. Shine as lights of the world. When we start complaining and disputing, we lose our luster. We lose our light, our shine to the world. When Christians get out there, when you get on social media and you start running your mouth, the world looks at that and goes, There's nothing to that, that Christianity nothing to it when we get on social media and we start falling apart there's they just there's nothing to that when we start grumbling and complaining and disputing and arguing and fussing and fighting and attacking each other the world just looks at thinks we're crazy they don't think there's anything to it we lose that shine to the world that's why you can't do it notice the word here complaining in the greek murmuring a secret debate a secret displeasure to speak against in a low, term, a low tone as the cooing of doves. Never saw that before. When you start complaining, when you start complaining, now I'm just going to give you an example, okay? But when you start complaining about leadership, forget me, just leadership. When you start complaining about leadership and you do doing that low tone, that low tone, you know, I, I'm just sharing this with you because I'm concerned. Listen. That sounds very familiar to the cooing of Holy Spirit. It's hard for people to discern between the voice of the soul and the voice of God, the voice of the Spirit. You may think you're cooing of the dove, you're doing it for the right reason, but you need to be careful with that. That's like camouflaging, you're gossiping by telling people, I'm only telling you this so you will pray about it. No, you're telling them because you wanna tell somebody. If you want to pray about it, just go talk to God. <laughs> See, we're getting that low tone of voice, oh, and it, boy, it sounds religious, it sounds spiritual. Boy, I'm really concerned. Aren't you concerned about the church? Hmm. Hmm. You need to hush your mouth. And join the Millers on that Saturday of prayer. <laughs> and when you pray about it as much as you want to talk about it, then I'll let you talk but you need to pray about it first. Go pray about it. But because see, I know to change your heart and you won't want to be in that cooing of the dove. You think it's Holy Spirit, but it's your flesh. And you need to cut that out because you're not doing anything but taking the shine off of the church, taking the shine off your Christianity, taking the shine off of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to hush up because I'm going to eat by myself today at lunch. Okay. (laughs) Let's look at the word. He's talking about do all things without complaining. A secret debate. He said, don't don't dispute. The word disputing, it means the thinking of a man deliberating with himself about what is true. Imagination that leads to hesitation and doubt. It's just thinking, deliberating with himself about what is true. Imagination that leads to hesitation. It leads that. You have to be careful with complaining and murmuring because you're going to come to the place where you're going to begin to get into imagination and you're going to begin to hesitate about God. You're going to begin to hesitate about people. You're going to begin to, to uh, doubt God. and You're going to begin to doubt, doubt people. Okay? Disputing. That's what that means. You thought it was arguing, but it's not. It's an imagination. It's a conversation you're having with yourself. You're getting thoughts in your mind. You're deliberating in your head and you're thinking, why is God letting this happen? Why isn't God intervening? Why is this going on? Nobody cares about me. Where's my friends when I need them? Where's the staff when I need them? Where's the pastor when I need him? Why hasn't he called? Why hasn't he reached out to me? You're disputing in your mind. You're disputing. It's an imagination and it will lead you to question God, question people and question yourself. You got to cut that out. Listen. Complaining will silence the voice of gratitude and turn you into an ingrate. Now that word ingrate, that just sounds like you're cussing. It's just like a nasty word, ingrate. It just means that you're a person that has no gratitude in their heart for nothing or nobody. But complaining will silence the voice of gratitude and it turns you to an ingrate. Where you get up and you're just fussing all the time. You're complaining all the time. This is not right. That's not right. Nobody's right. The church ain't right. And I get that. I understand. People say, listen, we're not doing church right today. I agree with you. We're doing it the best way we know how. And we're looking for revelation every Sunday. Every week the staff meets and they talk about how can we do things better. We're looking, we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, we're looking for better ways. We're looking for the right way. We're looking for how God wants us to do church and how can we be the church. And we're constantly, constantly looking how to do that because we want to see God move and transform people's lives. But if you're not careful, complaining will turn you into an ingrate where you have no gratitude in your heart for anything. I had a a gentleman that I used to go preach for. Uh, years ago, pre- he was an associate. I preached for his pastor, and he was an associate. I preached with him. and They had such a tremendous relationship. R- tremendous relationship. And I always enjoyed going there because of just the fellowship they had. It was just a great thing. Go out to eat together. and just, I, It was just a wonderful, harmonious relationship. But this associate, he started getting just in that complaining, murmuring attitude. And just... Started questioning things. And the next thing I know, I get a phone call and he's come, he's come out of that church and, and he's beginning to question things and questioning God and questioning theology and God's not moving and this is not right and that's not right. And, and so he, he, he finally did what they always do. He went and started a church because now he's going to do it right. I've heard that all my life. We're going to go do it right because you're not doing it right. And I said, well, God bless you. When you get the model, please call me. I'd love to learn from you. And so they're going to go do it. He's going to go do it. So he goes from being a summons of God, spirit-filled, contending for a move of God. Then he moves over to being another denomination, okay, that just doesn't, it, it, sensationalist, you know, that get away from miracles they get away from uh, just a move of God. They got away from music. Just everything is real strict. And it's just the word, the word. Just, you gotta have the word and just the word and no experience, no relationship, just the word. And, and he got to where he didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit anymore. And, and I, stood, I, I stood in his kitchen late one night and talking to him and he was telling me, hey, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit anymore. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I don't believe in, you know, all that. And I just stood and listened to him. And so he goes to that. And then it wasn't long after that, that well that wasn't working just, he, he's an ingrate and so he moves from that to now he just got out of church because nobody's doing church right church is not right and then the last word I got he divorced his wife so you listen to me you're on campus you're online you better watch the words of your mouth yes, that is shaping your thoughts you become an ingrate where you complain about everything and everybody that's a slippery slope And you're going to find yourself where there's nobody doing it like it should be done. And that's a very proudful, arrogant position to be in. And pride goes before fall. You better be careful. I love you enough to tell you the truth because I care about you. You better be careful. You can become an ingrate because of complaining and murmuring. You see, the indication of a physical heart murmur is the extra whooshing sound detected by a stethoscope. The heart murmur is not the disease itself, but is the indication of a heart problem. So when I hear people in their mouth, many times it's like a pastor, you put a stethoscope on them and I hear the words of their mouth and I'm thinking there's a heart problem. Either they're gonna correct that and get into alignment again or I'm gonna lose them. They're gonna leave. They're going cause they're, they're, they're gonna be out the door. It's a heart problem. The sound of their mouth is not the problem the murmuring it's the condition of their heart there's something deeper okay so here's the statement for you here's here's for you the heart of every problem is the problem in your heart the heart listen you think your circumstances is your problem that's not your problem how many believe God can handle any storm that comes our way how many believes God can handle the stock market up and down? How many believes that God can get us through this pandemic? How many believes that God can help heal our nation and, and we deal with the rioting in our streets and the hatred and the bitterness? How many believes? If we don't believe that, my Lord, let's shut this building down and go home. I'd rather go out there and make money and, and take care of my babies than if, we're, if we don't believe this thing, let's go do something else. Paul even said, if, if, if Christ is not raised from the dead, he said, look, if we're, we're wasting that time, he said, I am of all men, the most miserable because he said, I paid a price for this. But if we really believe this, then that means that my problem is not my problem. The problem is the condition of my heart. The storm, the circumstances, the things I'm facing today, that's not the problem. At the problem, at the heart of every problem, is the problem in my heart. How I'm going to react to it, how I'm going to respond to it, how I'm going to cope with it. That's the real problem. It's not the external circumstances around me. Jesus and the disciples are in the boat in a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and they're all freaking out. And Jesus is in the bow of the boat asleep. And they go up to him and say one of the dumbest things that that could be said. They said, "Well." Don't you see we're drowning? Duh. Don't you even care? Is that pretty dumb? How many times have you and I said the same thing? We just don't do it that bold. We go into our our little prayer time and we get wimpy and whimpery and we start saying, you don't care about me. Now I get that. I do it too. I get it. But we do the same thing. But their problem wasn't their circumstances. The problem was the problem in their heart. They didn't trust him. And he got up and he said, peace be still. And taught us a lesson that any storm you can sleep through and be at peace in, you can control. Come on. Any storm you can sleep through, you can control it. You have to understand, the peace that came across that lake came out of his heart. Came out of here. He had it in here. When, whenever there's chaos around you and, and it seems like everything is out of control and out of at chaos, you need to realize that it's probably because there's chaos in your heart. Your heart's out of control. But whenever you come to a place of peace, no matter what's going on around your circumstances, it's okay. I'm at peace. And you can walk right straight through it, No problem. Ooh. Okay, we are part two. Just take, take a deep breath, have peace of mind, the peace of God come over you, my child. It's okay. So here's a question for you. With the world around you out of control, do you feel anxious and have the need to control something or someone? Do you, do you have a need to control something or someone? So here we go. When we let go of the need to control Anxiety will let go of us. So Stephen, come help me. I'm going to have to quit. I can't give you the last second half. Stephen, come help me. Boy, there's some good stuff in here. I wish you could take it. I just but I ain't going to do it to you. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You're going to need to come back next Sunday. When we let go the need to control, anxiety will let go of us. I text you this statement, trying to tempt you to be here. When we recognize God is in control, we can rest knowing we don't have to be. That's one of the greatest statements I've said, I think, this year. Somebody needs to tweet that or something. I don't know, whatever y'all do, Snapchat or whatever y'all do, Instagram, I don't care. (laughs) Say it again. Say it again. See, God bless y'all. Y'all get free membership in the church. Look when we recognize God is in control, we can rest knowing we don't have to be. We can rest. You know, when the disciples was in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus was in the bow of the boat. I just, I hope, I just, I'd like to think that if I'd have been in there with them and that thing is, you know, it's doing this and the waves are coming over the bow and that's what got them nervous. You see, because we only sink when the stuff on the outside gets on the inside. Right, yes. You only get in trouble when you let the circumstances on the outside get on the inside. When you let an external situation become an internal problem, that's when you get trouble. So they're rocking and rolling and the, the sky's lighting up with lightning and the, the whole thing is just shaking with thunder. I would just like to think that I would look up here and saw Jesus in the bow of the boat asleep. And they said, well, what are we gonna do? I just just wanna think that I would say, I don't know about y'all, but I'm gonna go up here and take a nap with him. Just put your hands back, just kick your feet back and say, if you ain't worried, I ain't worried. I can be at peace knowing I don't have to control this can be at rest knowing you've got it. You've got it. So this morning, there are people that you've been trying to control the uncontrollable. There's so much I'm trying to not get into because it's for next week. But I'm trying to take you to an altar moment. And I'll just give you a piece of it and then we'll finish it out next Sunday and the altar Romans 828 so we are convinced put that last one up guys it's under under altar Romans 828 so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan you see that so we are convinced because God has a perfect plan. Okay, guys, take that off the screen. They don't need to see anymore. more. You got to come back next Sunday to get the rest of that. I'm convinced that God's got a plan. And so if I know he's in control, then I don't have to be. I don't have to be. I won't be honest with you. Uh, I was in a meeting, for example, this is just an example. I was in a meeting on Thursday, I think, with city leaders strategizing about how to address the issues of our city. One of the issues was homelessness. And I spoke up and began to talk to them about what the real answer is. Crime, poverty, I began to talk about legislating morality, thou shalt not steal, but you cannot legislate righteousness, change the heart of the thief. Can't do that. Only the church can do that. Only the gospel can do that. So I was trying to just share with them how that that's why there has to be a partnership between civic and church, because we got to do this together. You can lock up the thief, but when he comes out, he's still a thief unless Faith leaders change his heart. That's the hope. Founded on Judeo-Christian values, one nation under God. But when I look at the city sometimes, and I look at the church, and I look at my family, sometimes a load gets really heavy and all the problems that I'm trying to be a, a solution to. And then I watch the news and I'm worried about my family storms coming. Now the Delta variant is trying to take root. The numbers and the pandemic in Baltimore are starting to go back up. And I'm looking at this. Children are starting to get it now. And I'm remembering that storm, that, that dream that I had where I saw that first ship and I knew it was the pandemic and the behind it was a second one. And I turned to people behind me. I said, we must prepare for the second wave. And I've got all this stuff laying on me and I've got all these concerns laying on me. And I'm concerned about a lot of things. And my nature is I want to control it all. I want to fix it all. And that's why Holy Spirit dropped that on me. Son, you're going to have to quit trying to control everything because you're feeding the monster of anxiety. And that's where I know you are, many of you. So we're going to open this altar. I'm going to ask the elders and the pastoral staff, the prayer team to come help me. I don't know how many are here today, but I'm going to ask you to come line up across the front. And I'm going to open this altar for you to come up. And I want you to let go today of the need to control. And lean on Romans 8, 28. I am convinced that every Part of my life is woven into and fits into God's perfect plan. You can be at peace knowing that if he's in control, you don't have to be. You're going to let it go. Because when you let go of the need to control, you can let go of your anxiety. Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.